0: here and we are ready to go, New Hope Radio. Thank you for coming along today. Got a good series we're going to begin today and I hope you find it very, very helpful for your own personal life. I know you love Jesus and I know you want to be like him. That's why we learn God's Word. And uh, all the teachings here are intended to help you to become like the Lord. This series especially, we can learn from some great people in the Bible. Because we know this, everyone can learn something from someone, right? Perhaps you had a parent, a relative, friend, teacher, and they were like a mentor to you at times. They taught you things that were helpful later on in life. My father taught me responsibility for the things I own, take care of them. (laughs) He also told me, shut off the lights when you leave the room. (laughs) (laughs) And if you didn't, you heard it. I had an Italian uncle who taught me honesty and integrity in business. He repaired cars, never got rich, but he had the best reputation in town. I guess I think that was better. He had curly Italian hair, let it grow a little long. Sometimes I would let mine grow a little long as a tribute to him because he made a big impact on my life also. You know, the Bible tells us in Romans 15, in verse 4, whatever was written in former days, that speaks of the Old Testament, was written for our instruction. Mm. That through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. So this brings us to our series. I call it Life Lessons from Bible People. And we'll be looking at some people of the Bible, and we'll be deriving some lessons for our own lives from them. Some did good things, some uh, they made mistakes, but we can learn from everybody. We're going to begin with learning some lessons from the first man, Adam. And though he was similar to us, he was very different from us. Let's take a look. We find him in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. The Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. That word dust, it really means clay. It wasn't like dust. Clay, you can shape clay like silly putty. I guess guess that's what we're, we're really made of, silly putty. And he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east. And there he put the man whom he had formed. Now, what was it like to be the first and only person in the world? ever think of that? He missed much of what makes us what we are. He had no childhood. He had no parents, no family, no friends. He had to learn to be human on his own. And then eventually, God intervened. Verse 18. Then the Lord God said, <clears throat> It's not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. I like that. Eve was Adam's ideal companion. And like him, yet different. She was not a contender, but a completer. What do you think they talked about when they first met? <laughs> I don't know. Well, before you speculate, I think I can tell you something they talked about. They had a conversation, I'm sure, which is based in verse 16, concerning what the Lord said to Adam, and the Lord God commanded the man, saying, from any tree of the garden you may freely eat, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat, no, For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. And that phrase, surely die, it means dying, you will die. And that would begin the process of physical death, and also instant separation from God. Now, chances are, Adam conveyed the rules of the garden to Eve. Okay, Eve, this is the way it works around here. You can go here, but you can't go there can eat this, but you can't eat that. Okay. All right. So, we get to Genesis chapter 3, and a new character enters the scene. Hmm. Who is this character? Well, what does it say in verse 1? It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, as God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said, You shall not eat from it. Don't even touch it, or you will die. Now, apparently, Eve knew the rules of the garden. Very good. Adam taught her, and she learned very well. But then Satan said, remember, Satan is the deceiver. And he was in that serpent, talking to Eve. And Satan said, you're not going to die. As a matter of fact, if you eat the fruit, you'll be just like God. Yeah. At that moment, the fate of the whole creation, wow, was on the line. The angels were watching. Satan is enticing. God is standing by. And Eve said, well, it does look good to eat, and i like to be like God. I really don't see any harm in it. So she ate. And then she gave some to Adam, and he ate. And then, boom, at that moment, everything changed. Oh, everything changed. The whole world became cursed. The serpent, he would crawl on his belly from now on. The woman would have pain and childbirth. The man would struggle to scratch out a living from the ground. Oh, and the animal world? They became violent and carnivorous. I mean, they were just domesticated before this. Nature would become destructive at times. They never had storms and earthquakes and hurricanes, and now we do. But thankfully, God had a plan, and he did not leave us there. That's that's where we got to have great confidence in God. God has a plan. He doesn't desert us. He doesn't forsake us. He knows what he's doing and he knows where he's going. The entire Bible is the story of how God's plan would unfold and Jesus would come and he would reverse the curse. That's why God gave us his word. Everybody should learn the Bible. You know why? It's human history. Oh yes, it's human history. And it even goes beyond. So, with this background in mind, let's look at some life lessons from Adam. What can we learn from Adam? Most of us know the general story. But let's go a little deeper. First of all, he had some great accomplishments, didn't he? Yes, he did. He was the first zoologist. You know what he did? He named all the animals. God gave him that responsibility. Genesis chapter 2, Genesis 2 verse 20 says, the man gave names to all the cattle and to all the birds of the sky and to every beast of the field. Now that doesn't mean he named them like, okay, you're Flossie and you're Marsha and you're Peekaboo. No, he, he (laughs) he categorized the animals by species. You know what that tells me? Adam was brilliant. He wasn't a caveman. Adam didn't grunt and groan to communicate. He was made in the image of God. Think about it. The first person to come from the hand of God was very, very intelligent. He had to be. Because we're going to see some of the things that he already knew. He had a spoken language. He talked to Jesus, right? he talked to eve he didn't he didn't grunt make sounds he spoke he also not only having the ability to name and categorize animals he was a landscape architect and a farmer wow in genesis 2:15 what does it say that the lord god took the man put him into the garden of eden to what cultivate it and keep it to cultivate it means to work it, get things growing. To keep it means to protect it, watch over it. Now, he he knew all of these things. Adam understood how things grew right off the bat. He knew he was made in the image of God. He's the first man. He couldn't learn from a teacher. There were no teachers. He couldn't wait and evolve his learning because he'd starved to death. So right out of the chute, he knew everything that he needed to know. But he did make mistakes. Yes, he did. You know, you can be very intelligent, but it doesn't mean we don't make mistakes. We all do. Adam, in his mistake, avoided responsibility by blaming others. The Lord asked Adam if he ate from the forbidden tree. And in Genesis three twelve, he said, "The woman, whom you gave to be with me, she gave me from the tree, and I ate." So he kind of he skirted the issue. Yes, he said he ate, but he wasn't taking full responsibility. She gave him fr- she gave him the fruit, but you know what? If somebody gives you their fruit, they don't have you don't have to eat it. She didn't, like, say, Adam, close your eyes and open your mouth, whoop, and shove it in there. (laughs) She didn't do that. She said, honey, try this. It's really good. He said, all right. And he did. But he didn't take responsibility. And then indirectly, he's blaming the Lord because he said, wait a minute. This wouldn't have happened. This is the woman you gave to me. Oh, how we can become familiar with god wow do you ever become familiar with god it can happen oh yeah so he's he's deflecting the blame to eve then deflecting it to the lord and you know that's easy to do how easy it is to blame others for the things that we do do you ever notice that do you ever do that oh that's easy Now, that's the fruit of the sin nature. See, once he sinned, he took upon a nature of sin, and part of that is, I don't take responsibility. I put the responsibility for my failures on other people. That's the nature of the sin nature. That's what it does. One person said, to err is human. To blame it on someone else is even more human. (laughs) How true. Another mistake Adam made. See, we're learning. We're learning from Bible people. We're learning the good things we did, they did, so we can imitate them. And we're learning the mistakes they made, so we can avoid them. Another mistake he made. He hid from God. This is easy to do, too. In Genesis three nine, this is after they ate the fruit. The Lord God called to the man. He said, Adam, where are you? And he said, "Well, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid myself. Hmm. See, sin causes one to withdraw from God. And I think it's because, you know, some. I think here with Adam, it was feelings of shame. Maybe some fear, but also feelings of." Unworthiness will do that. You know, when we fail, we feel unworthy, and we drift away. We kind of lose our hope. Oh, there's no hope for me. I just keep falling into this sin over and over, and we just drift away. Drift away. That's a mistake. It's a mistake to drift away from God when you sin. And a mistake is also blaming others for your sin and, and and thinking God has changed his mind toward you. That's the biggest mistake when you think that God has changed his mind toward you. He hasn't. You know when God so loved the world that He gave his only begotten Son, the world was lost. There wasn't much good going on. people were lost in their sins. And God loved us right where we were. He loves, loved you right where you were. And he sent someone to bring you the gospel. And you responded. You said, yes, I believe. I want Jesus in my life. And you still continue to make mistakes and fail, but God's attitude doesn't change. The love is still there. God still loves the world. And he still loves you. Matter of fact, he loves the world with a sacrificial love, but he loves you with a personal love. That speaks of relationship, friendship, intimacy. That's what that speaks of. So God will never change his mind toward you. He'll never change his attitude or his view of you. And that's why then we don't need to hide from him. Oh, and we need this message because we can find ourselves just kind of giving up. Ah, what's the use? I give up. I just can't. I'll never measure up. I'll never be what God wants me to be. Why bother? I just go back to where I was. Oh, that's the big mistake. Never go back. Never go back to where you were. So, lessons from his life. We're learning. The first man. Hey, he made some mistakes. He's the first one. (laughs) He was the first guy that ever lived on the earth. And as Adam's descendants, now, we were made to reflect the image of God, right? In Genesis 1.27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Okay, that speaks of Adam. But then, male and female, he created them. That speaks of Eve. And we are the offspring of them. And we are still carrying the image of God. And why did God do this? Why did God make man in his image? I mean, he had plenty of creatures on the earth. They weren't in the image of God. Why did he just stop at that? You know why? God's plan was to make himself known in the world. Adam would be that vessel to do it. God wanted to establish himself for who he was in the earth. And why do you think he wanted to do that? Oh, I got my reasons. I got my beliefs. I think it has something to do with the eternal spiritual warfare between God and Satan. And perhaps Satan, as the God of this world, was claiming authority and God was going to make his presence known, and he was going to do it through a man. And Adam was that man. But then, when sin entered the world, you know what? God's plan did not change. Oh, I like that. See, when we mess up, we don't deter God. He knows where he's going. And he's going to get there. Because he's God. So God's plan didn't de- wasn't deterred. He's still going to make himself known in the world. Just like Jesus came walking in the garden looking for Adam after he sinned, Jesus came to earth to remove the curse of sin. That's why he came, to remove it. And now what does he do? He regenerates people who believe in him. And that regeneration takes place through his Holy Spirit. And now we can continue, because we've got the Spirit of God, to make God known in the world. Yes, the world is still cursed. There's, there are still storms and earthquakes and hurricanes. Yes, lions still eat gazelles. and But there is hope is hope in Christ. We have been made a new creation at the moment of faith. Our job is to make Christ known in the world. And then one day he comes back and establishes his kingdom. And then the lion will lie down with the lamb. And a child will play with the cobra. And there'll be no violence. And there'll be no destruction because the kingdom of God is here. And that's the way it'll stay for all of eternity. When Jesus sets up his kingdom, oh man, that's the way it's going to stay. Like the song says, that's the way I like it. Uh uh Uh-huh, (laughs) uh-huh. Haven't heard that in a long time. So let me give you a final lesson here that we can learn from Adam. You cannot hide from God. You can't. Remember Moses? He ran from Egypt to Midian. He tried to hide. God found him. Spoke to him from a burning bush. If God has a plan for your life, don't bother running because you're not going to get anywhere. God has a plan. Why does God have a plan for your life? Because he has faith in you. He might have more faith in you than you have in yourself to let God's plan unfold. So there's no need. Hey, there's no need to hide from God. You know why? He knows all anyway. He sees all. So how can we hide when God knows everything? There's, there's no need not to take responsibility because he knows all. You can't say, Oh, no, no God, I, I really didn't. That wasn't my fault. He, he, he saw the whole thing. He saw the whole thing. David said, if I ascend to heaven, Lord, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, that's the grave. Behold, you are there. Psalm 139, verse 8. He says, it doesn't matter where I go. God is there. Why do I bother to run? God is running right alongside me. I can't get away. You can't get away. I can't get away. In Hebrews 4.13, there is no creature hidden from his sight, none. But all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. So God sees all. So we don't need to play the game. We don't need to play run and hide. We don't need to point the finger at someone else for our mistakes. God knows it all. He sees it all. He's everywhere present. There's no escape from God. And I say, thank you, Lord. I say, thank you that we cannot escape from you because we would escape to our own demise. And thankfully, God is always there. So, in your failure, here's a few things. Don't run from him, but run to him. I know you might feel unworthy. You might feel guilty. You might feel... Ashamed, run to him. He's not surprised he saw the whole thing. Oh, yeah, he saw it coming. Go to him. Number two, don't blame others. Accept responsibility. Accept it. You know, that's freeing. You know, when you accept responsibility for the mistakes you've made, it ends right there. But if you don't accept responsibility, oh, man, it can drag on. And drag on for a long time. And it's never resolved. And yet you know in your heart, oh, I am responsible. But I don't have the humility to acknowledge it. So I say, get the humility. Learn from Adam's mistake. Adam didn't have the humility at that point. He said, no, not my fault. God, it's Eve and you. It's you too, not me. If you didn't make her, I'd be all right. If you didn't put that tree there, I'd be all right. See, that's bucking the responsibility. That's like, well, if the store wasn't there, I wouldn't have robbed it. <laughs> okay. Thirdly, know this His shed blood, the blood of Christ, has provided the forgiveness. That's why we're forgiven. Because Jesus paid it all. He paid it all. And by the way, Jesus died for your sins 2,000 years ago. How many sins did you commit after Christ died? All of them. All of them. Because you weren't alive until after Christ died. So His blood goes right into the future. Past, present, and future. All your sins were committed after Christ, saved and unsaved. So it's the basis of His sacrificial blood, precious blood, that we are forgiven. Not on the basis of us doing some kind of penance, but we already stand forgiven by God. And know the heart of God. You know what God's heart is? He's always seeking To restore you. Wow. Not like people. Sometimes with us, it's like, okay, I forgive you, but I never want to see you again. (laughs) We're like that. But God's like, I forgive you. Let's walk together. Let's do life together. Let's be together. God. He's always about restoring relationships because he wants our relationship with him to be eternal. He doesn't want it to be temporal. He wants it to be eternal. And you know what? I hope that you do too. Oh, life lessons from Bible people. Next time, we're going to learn some lessons from a couple of brothers. Can you guess who they are? Oh, yeah. Cain and Abel, oh yeah, what can we learn from them? I think a lot. So join me next time for New Hope Radio. It's great as we we go through the scriptures and look at these men and women of the Bible and derive some real life lessons for us so we can be in the presence of God in here. Well done, good and faithful servant. Oh, that's what I want all of you to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Master.